0: This is the Concealed Carry Podcast, episode number 368. And welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast, part of the ConcealedCarry.com network. I am your host, Riley Bowman, and I was barely able to get the words welcome to the Concealed Carry Podcast out of my mouth. Whew, that was a close save there. Uh, it must be because I brought my lucky charm with me today, uh, and that is Matthew Marister. Hello, Matthew.
1: It's a shocker that I'm here with you, right? <laughs>
0: <laughs> Jacob had some things going on this morning, and uh, so I, I think he is actually back to his his off to his home office now, but, uh, but uh, didn't want to uh, distract him too much further from other things he's got to do, so you got stuck with Matthew for the day, folks. Sorry, sorry about that. Sorry, guys. today we're talking about is the 380 becoming obsolete uh i'm really curious to hear matthew's thoughts on this because he actually proposed the topic as an idea (laughs) so apparently matthew thinks the 380 auto serves no purpose on planet earth any longer everybody should just carry nine millimeter okay i'm not (laughs) i'm really throwing you under the bus aren't i uh
1: someone but (laughs) Oh,
0: good. <laughs> no, actually, so I'm looking forward to talking about this because there's some opportunities to uh, talk about, you know, the, I've got a couple different ideas about uh, some things to talk about relating to handgun size, fit to your hand, what, how that relates to concealability and different calibers. So but we're going to use this as an opportunity to talk about if the 380 is something that is even relevant anymore. So Should be fun. Today's episode made possible brought to you by, we are so proud of having this sponsor on our program as a supporter of this program. And that is CCW safe, ccwsafe.com is where you can find them. And of course they are one of the finest concealed carry self-defense coverages out there. Now we work really hard at concealed carry.com to, uh, Be a resource of all things concealed carry related and self defense and and whatnot. You can always go to concealed carry.com forward slash insurance and see how all of the major self defense coverage programs out there stack up against one another. And you can see for yourself right there that CCW Safe is pretty awesome. And we were thrilled when they wanted to come on board as a sponsor of the podcast. I am personally a member of CCW Safe, proud to be so, and they do uh, amazing, remarkable things. So I would just encourage you at least to give it a look, see what you think, see if you like it, and if it's the right self-defense coverage for you. Also, today's episode brought to you by the ConcealedCarry.com online store, and I wanted to point out that... Recently, uh, our menu has changed a little bit for the the, the the online store. So if you go to our site, concealedcarry.com, and you hover your little mouse or you tap on the shop uh, uh, button on the menu, you'll see that the that format there has changed a little bit. Hopefully, it's become a little bit easier to use, a little bit easier to find some of the things you might be looking for. So pretty excited about that. And along with that, I wanted to highlight the fact that we are super proud to have brought on board a new holster manufacturer that we, we now sell their holster in our store and that is Keeper's Concealment. So yeah, we've had Spencer Keepers on the podcast before and we love his product. Uh, Super excited to, to bring them on board as an online retailer of Keeper's Concealment's fine, fine, fine holsters. Some of the best, if not the best in the industry not exactly your cheapest holsters out there, but if you're looking for the best, I would encourage you to give a look at Keeper's concealment. We have both the original Keeper holster and also the Keeper Light. So check them out. Available in our online store, and you can navigate there pretty easily using our newly tweaked and improved menu for the online store. There you go. So again, we're talking today about is the 380 obsolete?
1: <laughs> Is it? I don't know. <laughs> Guess we'll, we'll have to figure it out,
0: Matthew. I, you were just chatting with me 15 minutes ago. Tell me how, like, pff, 380, pff, toss it out. So, it's, so it's, here it's, it's a dead round.
1: So here, here, I'll start it off. Okay, so I'm going <laughs> to tee up the 380 argument or conversation here. So my, we we're coming up with uh, some topics, and something that was on my mind. Over the past, I don't know, month or so, is that with all the new um, real high capacity small nine millimeter guns like the the Hellcat, the three sixty five, what's the Taurus G two C one or two or whatever it is, um, where you have you know capacities of ten rounds, eleven rounds, twelve rounds in a in a firearm that's you know pretty much the same size as your Glock forty two, you have vast amount of or higher capacity and um, the round itself is cheaper right um, and so for me you know in the in the nine millimeter performs a little bit more consistently I think uh, penetrating wise uh, than than uh, the 380 so it got me thinking like with all these newer guns coming out is the 380 on its way out is it becoming obsolete because the the, the benefits of the 380, you know, a lower capacity, lower performing round with these new round with these new guns is, is the, is the nine millimeter going to surpass that? Um, and for me, I mean, there's nothing wrong with the 380 if you own one. And, and, and I'm not saying, you know, get rid of your 380. It's garbage. I'm not saying that I'm saying in the future, um, is that the way of the future? You know?
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah. And actually, so, you make some good points, and, and actually, Cammie here, I've, I've uh, shared her comment on the uh, video stream of, uh, she says, there's plenty of nines in the same size, and and that's the thing, right? Like, I was just on the podcast last week with Dave Spaulding talking about ballistics and, and what he's learned through the years about handgun ballistics, uh, and, you know, I think I made the comment last week, something to the effect that uh, today's... Nines are like yesterday's three eighties and today's three eighties are like yesterday's 32s and 25s. Um, meaning that the guns have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller, you know, some of that has to do with uh, more advanced computer modeling and engineering, you know, being able to, to, to do things. I mean, people don't realize that at one, one time uh, engineers making or manufacturers designing a firearm. I mean, they would draw some things on paper but you can only go so far with two dimensional drawings on paper like well i measured this and you know we drew this to scale and okay that looks like that's going to work and then you go and you build a prototype and you find out it doesn't work probably most of the time you make some tweaks and, you know, and before you know it, you're, you're really kind of probably deviating quite a bit from what you drew on paper. Cause as you get in the real world, you realize, oh, I got to make this tweak and make that tweak and do that thing. And, you know, and, and to make all this stuff work the way you think it's supposed to work. Now we have 3d modeling and have had for some time, but it's really resulted in, in I think a, bi- a big change in how, uh, today's design and, and, and engineering is, is done because And plus with experience like what we have in today's world too uh, with the design, the modeling, CNC machining and so forth, we, we have a pretty good idea of what works and what doesn't work before we even build it. A lot of times because we can model it in 3d and the modeling software is actually capable to go, you know, to actually show that how all the different parts interact with each other and can actually simulate the trigger being pressed to the rear, a safety being disengaged, the round being fired and going through the, through the barrel and the everything cycling, you know, and everything. And, and and we can apply different parameters to recoil springs and, and trigger, uh, or, excuse me, a uh, striker or hammer springs and the springs, even in the magazines. You know, it's so like my point being is that there, we, there, there's that aspect where it's made it a lot easier for things to be designed, built, prototyped, all of that. Plus, modern manufacturing materials are better. You know, we look at like, Aluminum even, you know, 7075 aluminum, a really high-grade aluminum that didn't even exist, you know, a number of decades ago. Um, We've got uh, really nice, high-quality, high-grade steels. We've got, uh, you know, machinery that is repeatable to the... Most min- minuscule of of dimensions, you know, thousands and tens of thousands of of inches that are machining the exact same part again and again and again and again, and completely interchangeable with the same part on on, on a different you know on a different uh, gun. Um, and so, my point being is that guns have gotten smaller and smaller and smaller, and better and better and stronger and stronger. So that's pretty cool because now we have well. Are now being termed, and even though I think SIG kind of came up with it themselves to some degree, but we're, we're seeing this thrown out there a little bit more micro compact nine millimeters. Um, micro compact, you know, is a term that's been around, but was almost always reserved for really small guns, like little 25, 32 autos, maybe some of the really small 380s. And But now we're starting to see some of these nine millimeters that are dang near as small as what some of those you know true micro compacts once were as well. So that's pretty interesting. So the point is I've gone on for there for a while but uh, it is that we're at, at this this juncture, if you will, in time and space and it's a bit of a time warp <laughs> <laughs> but uh, we're seeing these nine millimeters these days that are just about as small and as compact. As the smaller calibers were of yesteryear and so what does that mean we can have very concealable guns shooting a real man's cartridge <laughs> so somebody out there listening is going to be like what are you talking about Riley that's there's only one real man's cartridge and it has to be 45 or bigger <laughs> um, so anyway you know we talked with uh, Dave last week about uh, ballistics and and um, <sighs> It's definitely very clear listening to him. Uh, you can go back and re-listen or re-watch that episode, but, uh, 380s are, uh, not as preferred as a 9mm, right? So, like, if you have the choice to pick a 9 over a 380, well, you pick that all day long. So, uh, it's, it's just phenomenal that we're able to now pick guns in a, in a in a in a caliber where you don't really have a lot of reservations in terms of is it going to get the job done? No, it, it it can and it will get the job done, uh, but it's going to be small and and compact and concealable.
1: Yeah, I'll stop and, talking now. No, and I would I would just expand on that and just say like, um, you know. I know that there's a really good study that Greg Elifritz did, and I can't remember the exact figures, but between the, the, the 380 up to, I believe it was 40. So 380, 9mm, 40, 45 caliber, the, the studies that he pulled from active or actual shootings about the number of shots fired, the number of um, you know one-stop hits and, or one-stop uh, uh, shots from each caliber and things like that, they were pretty comparable across those boards. Um, the 22, was obviously kind of, uh, it stopped. It was used in many, many shootings to stop, uh, violent threats, but it took many more shots, right? Like a higher number mm-hmm. uh, of shots. I think the 380 to me, well, it's, it's, it's definitely a viable defense defensive round. If, if that's what you have and, and it, it, you know, you can use that. Um, but I, for me, it's just the, uh, it's not that it won't stop anyone. It's just the penetration is just not as consistent as a nine millimeter mm-hmm. um, or 40 to 45. So that's where it, for me, it's just, it's, it's a marginal round. That's why I would say yeah. it's marginal, not that it wouldn't work. So, um, you know, well,
0: it, now Greg Elliferts, by the way, uh, you know, in the study that you referenced of his, which was compiling over a decade of, of data and, and performed much in the same way that Dave Spaulding, Did his own research and study and analysis where, you know, Dave in the episode last week talked about how he wrote uh, letters on his department letterhead. He was authorized by his agency to do this, which is pretty cool. That means, you know, a guy like that being able to use agency letterhead is probably going to get some answers that he otherwise wouldn't get if he was just some dude, you know, or some reporter sending, you know, letters like that out to various agencies asking about performance of, of rounds and ballistics and things, right? And so Greg did something similar to uh, what Dave Spaulding has done for decades, uh, compiled a bunch of information. Here's here's the important distinction, right? You you talk about how the um, effectiveness rate was was a, was similar enough between 389, 40, and 45 that you can go, okay, yeah, all right, that those all seem like they work pretty well. But here was the interesting thing: if you if you flip. That If you look at the inverse, what is the failure rate, the failure to stop? And you'll see that 940, 45 are all pretty similar. But then you see that 380, that's where it starts to show. Like while it, the success rate may be almost on par with those other calibers, its failure rate is greater by, you know, it's, it's, it's quite a bit more substantial. Curiously enough, also, the 22 long rifle is found to be uh, at least in that study, more effective than a 25 auto. That's just remarkable to me. But uh, anyway, so here's the thing. And we've got, you know, there, there's guys here uh, like like William. He says, I like my 380. Yeah, you know, others have commented, like I think David said something about how his mom prefers the 380 uh, but still relies on a 320 or something for home defense. Um, so there's nothing wrong with a 380, and certainly you can get the job done. But there are some there are some statistics out there that would suggest that that it works a you know it works pretty much just as well as a lot of those other calibers, but there are times where it fails when maybe a nine or a forty would not. And that is important to note. So um is 380 obsolete though? I, I I am seeing less and less 380s on the shelves. So let's approach this real quick from just like a from a sales standpoint, Matthew. As as I frequent local gun shops and stores and things, and I just stopped in one uh, the other day, uh, one that's close to my home here that I I stop in at fairly frequently. I just like to kind of see what they have. Um, there are a lot less 380s on the guns. Sh- store shelves these days than there were 10 years ago. 10 years ago, you didn't have a lot of these micro compact, you know, whatever we call them, nine millimeters. Like what we, you know, we didn't have them at least as pre- pre- prevalently. Um, and so you basically saw things like probably your what you would expect to see 10 years ago is like a Glock 26, mm-hmm. right? Pretty compact. Right, Or or even like a Taurus PT-111, which is also still pretty compact. And by the way, for the record, I don't particularly recommend the PT-111 or it's newer. Well, I haven't spent a lot of time with the G2C. I've heard better things about it than the PT-111, but yeah. nah, anyway, there's so many other good choices out there. Um, and those are not... They're not big guns at all. They're actually pretty compact. A Glock 26, pretty small, right? But... Uh, We're now seeing the, you know, in the last eight years, we've seen the rise of the Smith & Wesson Shield, the Glock 43. We're seeing those uh, 938s Sig Sauer makes, uh, become a lot more popular. Um, And, of course, we have the P365. We have the even slightly larger versions of these. They're still very compact, but they're a little bit bigger, like the 365 XL. That's actually what I, I have in a holster on me today, the Glock 48 and so forth. But you look at like a shield or a P365, and it is not much. Like, if you put it next to an LCP, for instance, right? Or some of the, or a Caltech P380, it's very similar in size, right? Mm -hmm. 365 is not much bigger than those. A little bit, yes, but not by as much as what you'd think, right? So, so we've really seen these. So-called micro compact nines, sort of encroaching on that territory that those those three eighties uh, used to really hold. Now I've got another. Uh, I've got a three eighty. It's the uh, Bursa three eighty. Um, the Thunder, Thunder three eighty. Uh, and actually, so the uh, Thunder three eighty is the the original model is a is a single stack three eighty holds seven rounds. I think in the magazine. It's kind of similar to a PPK or PPKS. Um, but I've got the 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 Thunder 380 plus, which is the double stack version, holds fifteen rounds in a mag, and that thing is a pretty small gun. Uh I picked that up a number of years ago and I like shooting it. It's actually a pretty good shooter and it's accurate and it's just kind of fun to shoot. And it's cool that it has 15 round capacity in a very, very, very small package. But again, it is just 380. So it, it never became like a serious um, you know, contender in my in my uh, carry guns, right? Um, So anyway, the point is, is we've seen these micro compacts sort of encroach on that, that, that territory. Um, So what I'm seeing, Matthew, is that the buying public, because dealers typically put on the shelves, what moves, right? Mm -hmm. Particularly your small, small town dealers. Like they don't like having products sitting on shelves. That's, that's stuff that that's, that's money that could be in their pocket, Right. But it's instead taking up space on a shelf. So dealers put on the shelves what's moving and it's a great indicator to see what people are actually buying. And I'm not seeing the 380s like we once saw. So just to be a realist, just looking at and grant that is a little bit anecdotal still, but I think it's pretty accurate. we're just not seeing the those 380s selling like they once did. So purely looking at the at the uh, buying you know the purchasing numbers, The 380 is becoming less of a thing.
1: Yeah, and I and I think I think we have to talk about you know, and a couple of the comments in on Facebook uh, mentioned this, but the the cost, right? Like, um, if you shoot more, if you have more than one gun that you train with, and and you have you know, a, like maybe a mid size or a full size firearm, you're probably not carrying a full size 380. So you probably have you know a nine millimeter that's in, in, in you know a full size gun. Um, and so I think standardizing calibers across the the firearms that you own to to nine millimeter, which is the cheapest, um, makes a lot of sense for a lot of people when training. So they go, they buy bulk ammo, you know, and, and you don't have to spend ex- more money for a 380. And so I think it's just becoming a little easier, more economic to train and, and, and everything. And while the other rounds go up in price, naturally, people, you know, if, if you're given two guns and, and you're looking at, the cost of owning that gun and training with it is going to be higher with this gun versus this gun. If you don't have a specific reason, like I can't control the recoil of a nine millimeter compared to a three eighty, if that's if that's what it is, then obviously the money is not a, an issue. But if everything else is the same, and you can get more capacity or the same capacity, then every it makes more sense to go with a nine millimeter. So, um, I think that's one of the, one of the also driving factors and, and it's not like they're more expensive or anything to to purchase. Um, I I'm curious to see how, and I should have looked this up, but, the, uh, remember the 380 EZ that just came out, mm-hmm. right. And was it last year, the year before? Um, yeah, it's been out for a few years, right?
0: I think we're not quite in, you know, two years into uh, the run of that. I think it was announced at NRA or something of 2018, right?
1: But it didn't get, you know, we don't even know if it's two years old or one year old. But it didn't, it didn't take off, right? And it, it was designed for like easy racking, lower recoil. Exactly those people that say, "Well, I can't, I, I, I prefer a 380 over a nine millimeter." But well,
0: and let's be real, like what what is the 380 EZ that that? Smith and Wesson made. It it is a a small three or excuse me, it's basically a small nine millimeter chambered in 380. Mm -hmm. Right? It's bigger, substantially so than a shield uh or a p365. But it's shooting a 380. Now, I'll tell you, that thing is soft shooting. Like it's easy to shoot one of those 380 EZs. Um but you're right. Like it hasn't like become this, you know, it's almost like, I don't know what Smith and Wesson was trying to achieve with that one. And by the way, I don't think it has been a flop. I definitely think they've sold some, um, but, uh, but were they kind of like hoping that would be like the next big thing that, Ooh, if we make a a little bit bigger three it's almost like the reverse thing, you know, like Sig Sauer is busy trying to make a really, really, really small, but yet still high capacity, basically high capacity, nine millimeter. And then Smith and Wesson's like,
1: we're going to make a bigger 380. It, you know, and I get it. I think it's a good idea. Like, I, and I think that gun definitely has its place and, and I would recommend it to, to certain people um, for sure. I'm just saying, like, market wise, right? Like, that gun didn't like start flying off shelves. and everybody's like, I got to have one. But when you see the, th- the 365 or the Hellcat, everybody's like, I want to get that gun. I want to get that gun. So I think there's maybe in, 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 you know, the market, is leaning towards nine millimeter two, and so maybe the innovation is not so much going towards three, innovating more three eighty guns, it, as much as yeah. what is market bearing and it's these nine smaller nine millimeters.
0: Keith here mentions, uh, he says, goes back to the cost of ammo. Just the four, Glock forty two never took off. Um, you know, so this is an interesting thing, right? So, so Glock releases the Glock forty two. And, you know, re- realize at the time Glock did this, that the, sh- that the Smith & Wesson Shield's already been on the market for a couple of years, right? And the Shield became very popular for good reason, because Smith & Wesson made a solid, good shooting, reliable 9 millimeter. It was very compact and easy to carry. And so people are anticipating Glock to sort of follow suit. Like, hey, Glock, we want that single stack 9 like a Shield, and what does the Glock do? Glock releases the Glock 42, <laughs> right? 42 became came before the 43 because that's how Glock numbers their stuff, right? And so people were like, "Uh, Glock, that, that it's not exactly what we were looking for," <laughs> you know. Uh, and by the way, uh, there were some. Some you know release hiccups uh, with the Glock 42. Glock released the 42, and, and th- almost right off the bat, there was uh, I think there was something to do with the recoil springs or something. I remember they had to they had to fix some 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 problems there. Here, here's the thing, and one of the reasons why one one of the arguments against a 380 is that just from what I've seen, and this is I think pretty well known in the industry. Uh, at least amongst those that are in the know in the industry. I mean, like, I, I've seen this, this fact published in various articles and magazines and different things, but inherently, a 380 is just not as reliable as a 9mm. I think that part of that is with the lower powered round that it fires, you have less energy that initiates the cycling of the gun. That's why you see a lot more blowback. Uh, action like true blowback action 380s as opposed like you almost never see that in a 9 because you need that barrel and slide to stay locked up a little bit longer with substantially higher pressures in a 9 millimeter than you have in a 380 and so what that means you have lighter recoil springs yep well that's nice on the racking side of things but realize energy is energy and if you have a lighter energy spring a recoil spring which its job is to push that gun back into battery, uh, you're probably going to have more cycling issues, more feeding issues because you don't have the same amount of energy. You just don't have as much gusto, you know, pushing that slide forward, picking up the next round slamming it into the chamber. So inherently a 380 is almost always less reliable than a nine millimeter. There are definitely some good ones out there, but I'll tell you this one. Th- this is this is born true in my own experience as I've owned several different 380s through the years and have found them to be a lot pickier about ammunition Where especially where it comes to defensive amulet hollow points. All right. They, most of the time they seem to function pretty well with an FMJ uh, round nose bullet, you know, that kind of profile, but you know, I, I like carrying a Hornady XTP bullet for my 380 defensive round because it's, it's shown to be a pretty good performer uh, with uh, hollow point ammunition for 380, uh, and and but I have found that some guns don't. I had one in particular that didn't like those bullets at all, and that was an issue for me because now I was basically forced. To shoot a FMJ out of that gun to get it to be reliable, and I I'm not I was I'm not interested in carrying an FMJ even in a 380. Even though I know that's kind of a thing with some people, they carry a FMJ, you know, in, in a 380. They'll carry hollow point everything else, but the they 380 they'll carry FMJ, and I think that's both from a, a cycling reliability standpoint as well as, uh, you know, kind of a penetration issue, right? So, anyway, um that's just, just one example of an argument you could make against 380s that they tend to be a little bit pickier, a little bit less reliable, and that could be an issue in a defensive context, right? So um, anyway, I, the uh, I want to kind of shift gears here a little bit. Um, oh, actually, so... Thank you, Joe, for sharing that comment. Joe here says that he said had that issue with his bodyguard 380 with feeding problems with critical defense rounds. And there you go. I mean that, I, but I've seen that again and again and again with a number of of uh, 380s semi-automatics. So, anyway, um, all right. I want to talk about a couple other things, Matthew, because um, we a lot of times a lot of times we talk about the ease of shooting a 380, but is that really true? Like what, what? What do you think? I mean, so so realizing a 380 is obviously a lighter round, lighter powered round, lighter weight bullet. Uh, you t- typically, we're talking about 90 and 95 grain bullets as opposed to 115, 124, or 147. That's so common in nine millimeter. Mm-hmm. Um, so lighter bullet, lighter powder charge, lighter recoil. Uh, so a lot of times people say, "Well, I like 380 because it's easier to shoot." Well, what's your take on that?
1: Yeah. I, so that's a very subjective thing to say. Um, it, there's so many factors that go into it I, I you know many of the times people will say well a 380 feels snappy to me and that could be the cartridge but it also could be because you're shooting it in a smaller gun than what you're you know used to shooting in a full-size gun or even you know a, com- a, a compact size um, so the weight of the gun it, it, the the mass of the gun the amount of the the, the you know the the uh, Uh, poundage of the the recoil spring right all these things go into factoring into how does that gun feel shootability wise or how does the recoil impulse felt um i would say you know obviously if there is less powder charge then physically physics would say that the amount of recoil would be less if everything else is the same but they're not and so i guess my my uh, my Recommendation If somebody were to say, I just can't shoot a a 380, um, or I just can't shoot a nine millimeter, that's why I chose a 380, I would just try to you know, kind of drill down a little bit more and say, which gun are you shooting? Um, what is, what are the size? What is it that's causing you to suffer? Is it the recoil itself or is it your grip? Maybe your grip isn't, you, you know, you're not gripping the gun well enough to be able to manage the recoil. And once we fix that, then you can handle a nine millimeter. Maybe it's something arthritic, you know, arthritic or you you have a, a an injury and that, that may be something different. Um, but I think for the most part, if you're doing everything right and you can grip a gun and you can shoot a 380 decently, if 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 your grip is good, you should be able to shoot you know a similarly sized nine millimeter because it's really not that much difference, especially if you're shooting you know 147 grain ammunition. I I don't feel that 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 recoil impulse is that great in a nine millimeter. I just don't. Um, I will say that if you shoot a nine millimeter like the the 43, I find to be. T- to uh, transfer recoil a lot more than uh, the 365 or even the PPS that I, I, you know, kind of compared those three. Um, That's what I found. Um, But, you know, even amongst nine millimeter in, in, in handguns, uh, different handguns of similar size, it feels different. So, I, th- I think sometimes we paint ourselves into no a box to say, well, this caliber recoils more than that. Therefore, every 380 I can shoot and no nine millimeters can I shoot. And I just don't think that's the case. So, you know,
0: having had that uh, 380 Thunder Plus or whatever, Thunder 380 Plus, you know what I'm talking about, mm-hmm. double double stack uh, 380, it's, it's a little bit bigger gun than some of the other 380s out there. There's a little bit more weight to it. It's a, it's a metal, it's an aluminum framed gun with a steel slide and you know, it's a double action. It's got more parts in it, you know, so it, it's a little bit more substantial of a 380 than say like an LCP, obviously. And so the reason I'm bringing this up is having had that and shot it a number of times, I've put hundreds and hundreds of rounds through that, through that thing, it, it definitely is a soft shooting gun, right? So here's the thing, right? If you took if you take a, uh, if, you, if you put a 380 round in a P365, it would feel, I think, substantially softer. Now, maybe your average shooter might not feel it as much. I would definitely notice it. All right. I'd be like, oh, hey, that's soft. That's cool. You know, um, I noticed a huge difference uh, in shooting the uh, Federal Syntec 150 grain bullet. In my 365, that's a 150 grain bullet, but it's a very softly, you know, it's a lightly loaded bullets intended for competition use compared to shooting a full powered 147 grain or even a 124 or 115 grain. Big difference. Uh, you know, so I think a 380 would, would be a lot different, but uh, that's true if you're if you're shooting that in a larger platform that's more akin to a nine millimeter gun, right? The thing is a lot of the three eighties we see are smaller, thinner, lighter, uh, like, a, like an LCP. I, I could earlier, I compared to 365 It said, you know, it's not that much bigger than an LCP. Well, you put them side by side. They really don't look that, you're, you know, it's, it's, you start putting like a micrometer or measuring tape on them, You're like, Oh yeah, that's pretty bit different, you know, but, uh, But just side by side, looking at them, they don't look that much different. But I will say as much: you shoot an LCP, it's not an easy gun to shoot. It's not an easy gun to hang on to. No, Uh, there's not a lot to hold. It's got a very short grip. Uh, It's pretty thin. You know, for particularly for somebody with a large hand, it's kind of awkward to hold on to that thing and shoot it. Uh, So, so that's that's the thing, right? Is that most of the time, your nine millimeters are a little bit more substantial, more to hang on to, weigh a little bit more. Uh, the recoil is is more appropriate for that size of a gun. And then we go to a 380 and we shrink everything down. And so the it's not going to really accomplish much because we're, you know, yes, it's less recoiling round, but it's a smaller, lighter weight gun. So uh, you're really not gaining anything there. I would be intrigued though to see a 365 chambered in 380. That would be interesting. Now we do have an example of a Glock 42 and Glock 43, and you mentioned this one in our pre-show chat, uh, Matthew. That the 42 and 43 are not that different. Right. I mean, they are. Um, the The grips are a little bit. The grip is a little bit smaller and thinner and shorter from from front strap to back strap on the 42, but it's not that much different, right? So although I have not really spent a lot of time with a 42 and then also compared it to a 43. So I, I don't really have that uh, comparison personally uh, to, to be able to make. So it'd be interesting to try that sometime and see. Um, but here's the thing. It still comes down to that already in a P365 or shield-sized gun or 43, there's there, we're already kind of getting to that point where the gun is becoming small enough that it's a little bit challenging to get a really solid grip and be able to shoot and control it. Well, when we shrink the guns even more as is so common in three eighties, we're just making that more difficult. And so what I wanted to talk about is about fit of gun to shooter. Um, Which, by the way, I think is overrated. I think so often we see these – I see comments all the time like, uh, you know, just shoot or carry the gun that fits you the best. And I think sometimes people are are thinking in like a generic sense like, you know, that fits me the best, like fits me in a variety of ways. I think some people are actually talking quite literally that like what fits your hand and what feels good in your hand the best. Um, I think that's a very overrated characteristic about how to choose a gun personally. But I do think it's something that should be considered, absolutely. Now, we get to a point, though, we make a gun so small that it does substantially increase the challenge of, of shooting it well. Um, cool. I've, I have I talked about, I don't remember if it was last week's episode or if it was another time, but I know I've talked about shooting a uh, Ruger LCP at a plate rack at like 25 yards. And trying to go, I think it was a six plate rack and trying to go six for six at 25 yards with an LCP is hard. (laughs) It is really challenging. That's why I did it because I was like, I was kind of bored and I was like, hey, this, this would be a fun challenge. Uh, we were at this event and, and ammo was free and like, hey, cool. You know, like I don't like shooting a ton of 380 because it is more expensive than than nine. So sweet. I'm just going to mess around and try to, clean this plate rack with a single magazine, you know, an LCP. I don't think I was ever actually able to do it. Now, there's a couple factors there. <clears throat> and and so let me, let me point this out too, that these are knocks against a 380 as we commonly see. So an LCP has terrible sights. It's hard to get a really good sight picture for a very precise shot, like is required for shooting a plate at 25 rounds. So sights are crappy. Number two. Gun is kind of small and doesn't fit in the hand very good, so a little bit harder to manipulate the trigger as well as I'd like. I can do it pretty well because of practice, but it's still more – it's more challenging than with a more properly fitted gun, right? So the trigger's is challenging. Um, number three – the gun recoils because it is smaller and the smaller grip to hold on to that things move a little bit and it's just hard, harder to maintain that grip and have that same consistency from shot to shot to shot to shot. So that further enhances the difficulty of being consistent and being able to clean that plate rack. One, two, three, four, five, six. Um, and so we have – and then also I talked about the the lack of quality sights, but also you have a very short sight radius, which that's not everything – But mathematically, I can show you how that makes it more difficult to make some of those longer distance shots because it's harder to recognize a a deviation in your sights when they are closer to each other. So there's a lot going against a person that's choosing to carry a very small gun as is commonly found in the 380 category. All right. So there's some things we can do to improve that. We can we can do some things to maybe improve sites, but we can never really lengthen those sites, right? So like we're always stuck with whatever that site radius is. There's some things we can do maybe with the grip even, maybe make things more grippy or, or we can use an extended magazine or whatever that will improve that some, right? But, but there's only so much you can do to polish a turd, <laughs> right? <laughs> so... Um, I, I think there are reasons I think I think for a long time people chose the 380s, Matthew because wow, I'm looking for something that's really compact that I that's easy to carry that doesn't print very very easily. Uh, and they felt like I either got to go with a Glock 26 or I can go with this LCP, right And now we're seeing again that that bridge is being crossed and we're finding solutions and people are astute to know that hmm that gun is a little bit bigger but still very small. So I can conceal it, but I could shoot it better.
1: Yeah. And I think that's the, the, the big overarching kind of uh, message that I would say in just that sometimes we get caught up in just saying like, well, just whatever you have is better than nothing. And if it feels good to you, then it's right. And, you know, uh, in these kind of things that reaffirm what you've done, without ever challenging it. And, and so I'm, I'm saying if, if you have a 380 and you've tried other guns and, and you keep going back to that 380 and you liked it and it works for you and it's reliable and you shoot it well and you've tried other guns and you just like it, then perfect. But I, but I just see far too often that people come to the to the range and it's their first gun they've ever bought. And I said, Hey, well, why did you pick up this LCP? And they're like, Well, my husband gave it to me. Or the guy behind the counter said, you know, this would this was good because it's small and it's 380 and I'd be able to shoot it well. And 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 every time I put a, a larger gun in their hand, um, they shoot it much better. And they're like, Oh, I hate that gun. I don't know why I bought it. And so that's that kind of like um, just getting into people's minds that I know you want a small gun for concealed carry. And we always try to like, we we think, okay, I got to, I got to conceal this and it's gotta be the smallest gun ever. And so sometimes we jump to that, that category and we exclude all these other guns Um, because we think they'll be too, too, you know, too powerful or too big or too heavy. And it just takes a little time of getting used to other calibers and getting your technique down and getting a good, uh, you know, being able to firm up a grip that before you're like, I couldn't handle a nine millimeter, but now that you've tweaked your grip and now you have a good grip, now you can totally handle that gun. Mm -hmm. And so um, that's just my, I'm always kind of, you know, kind of saddened to see people purchase guns and then get locked into that. Like they have to stay there because that was their first gun. And and now they just kind of, continue to reaffirm like oh it's better than nothing and this and that but if you've gone out and you tried it like diane you you've tried different guns and you keep Mm -hmm. going back to that gun absolutely i mean i'm happy that you're you're training and and you've found something that works for you um but if you haven't done that and some you have an lcp and you just don't like shooting you go to the range and you shoot a box of 50 and you you leave and your hands are done and you're like "Ah, i didn't then try something else. Go get some training and, and shoot some other guns and and see that there may be something else out there that that suits you well and even better than what you have.
0: Yeah. Yeah, you referenced Diane there and she'd commented here talking about uh you know she's tried some of these other guns uh like a 365, a 938 and a few others and didn't like them. Uh and and then she talks about how her grip, you know, she, she's older uh, and, and probably doesn't have the, the grip strength that she even once had or certainly doesn't have the grip strength that, you know, a strong, you know, middle-aged or younger than that, you know, male would have certainly. Um, but uh, I, I wanted to just kind of t- touch on something really quick here that recoil control or recoil management is really more a function of technique than it is strength. Strength is helpful to have and certainly it can enhance, right? Already good technique. But I've even seen people that have strong, you know, they have strong hands, but because their technique sucks, they don't have that great of recoil control. All right, so let's be clear about that. Grip strength is not everything. It's really an enhancement. Technique is really where it's at. And I can show a shooter with not that strong of hands, how to apply correct technique and dramatically influence their ability, Im- improve their ability to hold on to that gun and to control that gun, all right? So, Diane, that, I just want to make sure that, that that that's clear, that, um, you know, I, I, I'm I hearing what you're putting down, and I definitely am not saying like, hey, you know, if you, if you found a gun that works for you, uh, that you're comfortable with that you shoot pretty well, then like that's great um but uh but it also probably sounds like there there's still some some learning and some development that can probably occur as it relates to some of the technique that you're using the the gun is just a tool and and this was something i was I was thinking about before we even began recording matthew is 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 <sighs> The gun is just a tool, folks. And I kind of started going down this path a little bit ago, talking about fit of gun to hand and that sort of thing. And these comments of uh, you know, choose the gun that, that fits you best. And like, okay, I get that to an extent. Like, I get that people pick up a say a HK VP9. They're like, oh, it just feels so good. Like they contoured the grip. It just, it just, it like. Feels like it's, you know, it was designed for my hand. It molds to my hand. It just fits my hand so good. Uh, all of that is is fine and well, but after having been exposed to a lot of guns through the years and shot a lot of different guns, what, uh, it comes down to what I was just talking about a moment ago. Technique far outpaces the actual tool, or as I mentioned a minute ago, your grip strength. Okay, Uh, technique is is more important than the actual tool. I can shoot just about anything, any gun, any size you put in my hand just fine because at the end of the day, it comes down to holding that gun still on target, pressing the trigger so it doesn't disrupt that alignment. That's it. Like if you're aimed on the target and the gun doesn't move when you press the trigger, you're going to hit the target. All right. All the other things are it, it's it's icing on the cake. It's it's all gravy, you know. When we get things that feel more comfortable to us, or the trigger feels a little bit better, or this or that, but again, it is just still a tool, and and I'm 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 more I care a little bit more about using and carrying the the tool that that I know works, and. Uh, and, and there may be some other factors that come into play, right? Yeah, I, de- I definitely have those subjective things that I prefer, but I, I'm not that crazy personally about a Glock. I'm not that crazy about its ergonomics. I'm not that crazy about its trigger or how it fits my hand, but yet I've carried Glocks for a long time, and shot thousands and thousands of rounds through them. And that was kind of the thing. I think that's what started opening my eyes, Matthew. Is I was like, wow, I actually shoot a Glock pretty well. <laughs> uh, you know, like that that was a, a kind of a surprising revelation to me that I thought, you know, that it was hard. It was challenging to shoot a gun that didn't fit me or didn't feel good. And a Glock didn't feel good in my hands. I switched over to a Glock because I was in law enforcement at the time and There's just – your whole world opens up in a big way when you have thousands of accessories and holsters and just other gear and things that that, that a Glock opens up to you, right? Like as a law enforcement officer, there's – you know exactly what I'm talking about. Everything for, sure. for LE is basically Glock. You know, at least that's that's mm-hmm. the impression you would get. That's certainly, I mean, there's still a large percentage of, of law enforcement officers that don't carry Glock, but there are so many things that are made to accommodate Glock. And that's kind of why I was like, ah, you know, maybe I should just bite the bullet and jump in because it'll be so much easier to find a holster. It'll be so much easier to find this thing and that thing. You know, uh, a light bearing holster is just one little thing. You know, I made the adjustment from a a non-light bearing holster to a light bearing holster. And just that's actually when I made that transition is I I was uh, carrying a, a Sig at the time not that there there's already pretty good support for those but there's still just more options for a Glock and I was like hmm you know and not only that not only the options but also price that was I think that was part of it too is I remember the holster for the Glock 17 fitting a, a TLR1 light was like 50 bucks cheaper <laughs> than the same the same holster by the right. same company but that fit my Sig and I was like, "That's weird," you know. But I, but it is. I'm sure it's a supply and demand sort of thing, yep. right? You know. So I was like, ah, "I should just bite the bullet," you know. So I started shooting with and training with the with the Glock, and I was like, "This is not as hard as I thought." And it's partly because not to toot my own horn too much, but because my my technique and my skill had gotten to a a point where the tool didn't matter as much anymore. And the thing is, is we put way too much comfort and faith in the tool and how it feels and how it fits and how it looks, then we really should. Like we think, oh, I made this change from this gun to that gun. I suddenly got a lot better Eh, sometimes, but that's not all attributed to the gun, unfortunately. So anyway, um, We've been going here for a little while, so (laughs) it's easy to lose track of time. (sighs) Anything else you want to throw out there, Matthew? I mean,
1: three eighties. No, I mean, I I think we teed it up. I think, uh, we've sufficiently angered enough Pete. No, I'm just kidding. Um, but yeah, I mean, it's a controversial con, con, um, content piece. Every time, you know, you, you tell somebody, Hey, we think something's obsolete or that, but, um, Again, you know, Diane, they're not going to stop making 380s. They'll still make 380s, right? Um, But um, it was just something that was on my mind as far as the um, the proliferation of these newer nine millimeter guns, and um, and so I would challenge you guys. Just if you shoot a 380, you love a 380, and you've never shot a nine millimeter, if you shot two rounds at the range and thought, oh, I can't do that, um, do it again and try. Work on you know your fundamentals, get some good solid fundamentals, and then go and shoot a shoot a nine millimeter and see if now uh, it's a little bit different. And you may surprise yourself, and the world will open your you, you know your eyes to a, a whole bunch of new guns that are uh, pretty cool.
0: Yep, I will say this much: I was car- actually I was actually pocket carrying the uh, LCP two the other day. Uh, you know, I carry a three eighty, particularly pocket carry once in a blue moon but there are still times that come up i'm like this makes the most sense for what i gotta do today and what i'm how i'm dressed or you know that sort of thing you know and so um i just want to point out that 380 is not going away just like 40s not going away it's right. definitely seen a big retraction in the market but it's not going away 380 is not going away that those guns are not going away um it's becoming a little bit more challenging i think to justify one of those guns because you can still pocket carry a 365 or a 43 pretty easily too well maybe not some of you can't you know. me some some of you like you look <laughs> at my pants next to matthew's pants <laughs> i got these massive pockets
1: yeah, I got small hands, small pockets, right?
0: Small, small dude. <laughs> like Matthew almost fits in the palm of my hand. I want po- <laughs> folks to get the the correct image
1: here. <laughs> uh, you, you know that if you guys seen uh, Ace Ventura, isn't it like when that dude's in the backpack and he uh, Ace Ventura <laughs> that little dude? Comes yeah, up. that's
0: right. Yeah. Uh, put you in my backpack. <laughs> no, but uh, so so the caliber and the gun still has a purpose, um, but. Uh, but it's again, it's you know, I find myself needing that a lot less than I than I used to. Um, so you know, and I think that's a good thing because actually, it just means we have more options, and we have uh, a greater ability to find just that just that right tool. I know I just talked about how the tool is not as important as what people you know might might think it is, but it is still nice to have those options. Options are always a good thing. Um, 380 unfortunately is not as cheap to shoot, um, and I don't see that changing anytime soon. And that has definitely been a big factor for things I think industry wide, and also for me personally. I just don't care to have to shoot a lot of 380 ammo. But uh, anyway, cool, good, good conversation here today. I I, uh, I enjoyed it, Matthew, and hopefully it was helpful for somebody out there listening today. Uh, good crowd on the Facebook and YouTube uh, channels today and a lot of comments. And, uh, I, you know, I'm hearing some of you guys, your stories, you know. I mean, a lot of folks have shared about some of the reasons they carry, what they carry. Um, and uh, that that's that's great, you know. So, today's episode, once again, was, was sponsored by CCW Safe. Uh, so, head on over to ccwsafe.com. By the way, Guardian Nation members, save off uh, membership there. So uh, yeah, another great reason to be a member of Guardian Nation. Uh, Of course, if you're not familiar with Guardian Nation, head head on over to guardiannation.com and learn more. Also, uh, don't forget about the concealedcarry.com online store. Uh, We reorganized our store menu And I'm just highlighting the fact that we just added Keeper's Concealment Holsters in the store. I'm super excited about that one. Great, It's a great product and great company, great people behind it. Uh, Spencer, of course, uh, he's been on our podcast, so you should be somewhat familiar with him and, and what he stands for. And uh, his team that makes those holsters, like Parker, that kind of runs things there for him, good dude. We've been chatting, you know, and getting things set up. And uh, we're just uh, very appreciative that uh, they have agreed to do business with us. Now, we do need to uh, let you go, and uh, we'll move on to other things. We'll be back here next week with more great content. Uh, Until then, stay safe out there and, uh, you know, get some training in. Have a great weekend, too matter where you are and what you're doing, just just uh, do it the right way and be safe with it. So with that, a reminder to train right, train often, and train safe so you can fight hard, fight fast, and fight true. Take care.